0: Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at bloomberg.com/techsf.
1: This is Bloomberg Law with June Grasso from Bloomberg Radio. Where
0: are you coming from today? Are you traveling alone
1: today? Yeah, both your bags. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look inside. I have a package in here.
0: Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Where are you coming from? Madawaska. What'd you do there? Got anything here? My sticky cut me, poke me, jump out at me. We're used to hearing customs officials' demands to go through our bags at the border, as depicted in the show appropriately named Border Security. But what if they want to scroll through your cell phone or laptop without even a suspicion that you've done something wrong? Well, a new federal appellate court decision says that's perfectly legal. Joining me is former federal prosecutor George Newhouse of Richards-Carrington. So, George, there's a border search exception to the Fourth Amendment. Tell us a little about it.
1: So the Fourth Amendment, as you know, generally requires a search warrant and probable cause to justify any incursion into a citizen's privacy. There are 10 well-known exceptions to that requirement, and one of which is called the border exception, which basically says that because the government's interest in securing our borders and protecting against people bringing in illicit narcotics, other contraband is so high that basically the government gets a free pass at the border in going in or going out, by the way, and they can search your Your baggage, we all know that when you go through customs, the government is allowed to poke through your lingerie and look in your bag and make sure that you're not bringing anything into the country that you shouldn't be. So that's the border exception. It's very broad. No probable cause is required and no search warrant.
0: So in this case, you had a group of returning citizens, and they objected to electronic devices being searched without a warrant, and including there was a NASA scientist who was detained and pressured to unlock a secure government-issued phone. Tell us what happened in the district court below.
1: So this case was actually brought by the ACLU, and one interesting aspect of it procedurally is it's a civil case, which is to say that normally violations of the Fourth Amendment only come up when someone is arrested and then prosecuted for a violation where the evidence was obtained by virtue of the, the search. Now, in this case, the ACLU gathered, frankly, a group of people who had been bothered and interfered when they came into the country, including this NASA scientist. So they were hoping that presenting a significant set of facts to the district court To get the district court to strike down the issue in these nationwide injunctions against Customs and Border Patrol on ICE have these policies that now lay out various guidelines for border officers and basically say to them, you don't need any suspicion or cause. You don't need a warrant if someone is coming into the country. And by the way, they can do these searches even within 100 miles on the border. So it covers a wide swath of U.S. territory. They persuaded a district judge at trial to strike down the first aspect. And there's it's an interesting split because there are two types of searches involved here. The first one is called a basic search of electronics. And of course, we're only talking about electronics now, because the amount of information and privacy when they're going through your bags is limited. But when they have your cell phone or your computers or your your memory chips, any electronic device, the courts have said since Riley versus California, where the court said to search a cell phone incident to arrest, you need a warrant. And that's because the amount of information about you, the privacy is astounding. We have an immense amount of personal data that the government can get access to. So in this case, the district court said as to the basic search, which is limited to basically what can happen when the CB officer is holding up your phone, that requires reasonable suspicion before he can do that. And then there's a secondary level, which we looked at years ago, June, when we looked at the U.S. versus Cotterman case in the Ninth Circuit, And that's where they take your device and keep it up to, some cases, weeks. And they do what's called a forensic search on it. They download all the information on your computer or your cell phone or your tablet, and they subject that to very sophisticated analytic devices. So there are two levels. The district court said as to even the first one, the basic search, that requires reasonable suspicion, not a warrant, not probable cause, but reasonable suspicion, which basically means The government's got to have a pretty good reason to interfere with the citizens at that level.
0: And that decision was seen as a real victory for privacy advocates. But then on appeal, the First Circuit came to a very different conclusion.
1: And that's where the, the First Circuit reversed, holding that, nope, when you come into the country, at least as to the basic search, a quick look through your cell phone can be done by the officer without any Suspicion or reason simply because he doesn't like the look of you. So that's how it shook out.
0: The First Circuit said, bottom line is that basic border searches of electronic devices do not involve an intrusive search of a person and that warrantless electronic searches are essential to protect the border. So just to be clear, border agents can turn on your phone or your laptop, scroll through your personal information, perhaps confiscate it, Without even thinking you did something wrong.
1: Absolutely right. We've understood that to be the law, and the First Circuit just went right back to it and affirmed that. That is the law, by the way, in most of the federal circuits. There is, interestingly, a potential split with the Ninth Circuit, meaning the Ninth Circuit has a different holding with regard to at least the cell phone. So that is something that makes it more likely for the Supreme Court to grant cert in this case. But no, that's absolutely right. When you leave the country and you come back, be very careful what you bring with you, because any electronic device in your possession, mobile phone, tablet, computer, is subject to being searched. And in this case, they made the NASA engineer open his mobile phone so they could look through the photographs, so they could look through the text messages, or they could look through emails. We have all of this amazing amount of data on our cell phones. That was the argument of the plaintiffs, incredibly invasive. And the court said, nope. The government at the border, quote, has a zenith of interests that are paramount, and we're going to allow the government to do that under the Fourth Amendment.
0: George, you mentioned the Riley case where the Supreme Court required a warrant before police could search a suspect's cell phone after arrest because of all the personal information we have on our cell phones. Now, if this case gets to the Supreme Court, is there a chance the justices might say the same goes for a cell phone at the border?
1: Well, there is a chance that was the argument that the plaintiffs to the ACLU were relying upon in the case that they just turned the opinion in. There's a possibility that the Supreme Court will say, when we held in Riley that a cell phone incident to arrest, that's another exception to the warrant requirement. And for the government to seize and search that cell phone, it needs to have PC and a warrant. They could extend Riley's holding to border searches. There's no indication, by the way, and at least looking at the federal circuits, the courts have any inclination to do that. But the Supreme Court could do that. And, of course, we have a new composition on the Supreme Court. And I remind everyone that there is a conservative majority, but one of the most conservative justices in the last 20 years, Justice Scalia, may he rest in peace, did come out with some surprising decisions when it came to the Fourth Amendment. And he was a firm believer that the government needed to be, at times, restrained.
0: Thanks, George. That's George Newhouse of Richards Carrington. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QB. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com. The boss met the man by Zoom. The Garden State's favorite son, Bruce Springsteen, appeared via Zoom before a federal judge on drunk driving charges. Police had stopped the rock star on his motorcycle at the Jersey Shore in mid-November. The drunk driving and reckless driving charges were dropped, and Springsteen pleaded guilty to possession of alcohol in a closed area. Joining me is Peter Jeffrey, Bloomberg News legal editor. So what happened in court today, Peter? So
2: Springsteen pleaded guilty today to possession of alcohol in a closed area, which is a a misdemeanor. Well, what happened basically was that in November, he was getting on his bike or on on his motorcycle, and he had some tequila, and he was approached by an officer, and he was arrested, and he appeared in federal court today, and he did not wind up. The prosecutors dropped two other charges, driving while intoxicated and reckless driving. And in the end, the judge fined Springsteen $500, and there was kind of a funny moment when the judge asked him how long he needed to pay. And Springsteen said, oh, I can pay that immediately, Your Honor. So that's what happened. And, you know, this has been such a big local and national, and maybe even beyond that, set of headlines since November. It turns out that Springsteen's blood alcohol level was 0.02 percent. And in New Jersey, the threshold for impairment is 0.08 percent. So Springsteen's blood alcohol level was well below that. But it, it it came at an awkward time because you may recall that during the Super Bowl, uh, Jeep aired um, an ad starring Springsteen, um, kind of in his austere mode of looking toward the future and calling the nation together for unity. Uh, so, uh, you know, this following that by just a few days was awkward, to say the least.
0: Was there any explanation for why he was charged with drunk driving when his blood alcohol level was... Lower than the state limit?
2: Well, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Where, you know, it's, it's not unusual for prosecutors to bring several charges. Um, sometimes they then add charges, but they can also subtract them. Um, you know, there, there was the encounter with Springsteen and the officer uh, involved the officer on foot patrol, sees Springsteen drink a shot of tequila, get on his red and silver triumph, start the engine, approaches him. Uh, Springsteen did not want to take a blood alcohol test, but later did at a ranger station. So I'm not exactly sure the sequence of events or why the charges went the way they did. But again, it's not unusual to bring a set of charges and then, you know, make a deal, uh, sometimes in the courtroom, sometimes just before. And what happened here is that the prosecutor said to the judge, you know, we, we'd like to, they asked the judge, they asked the court for permission to, to dismiss Uh, the drunk driving and reckless driving charges. Uh, And Springsteen agreed to plead guilty to uh, possession of alcohol in a closed area.
0: So, Peter, let's turn now to the battle of the exercise bikes. Peloton Interactive beat back an effort by the maker of NordicTrack exercise bikes to block U.S. sales of its Bike Plus. Icon Health and Fitness had asked the court to temporarily bar Peloton from selling the Bike Plus with its auto-follow feature, which automatically changes resistance levels during classes. So tell us a little bit about this battle of the bikes.
2: It's a big battle, because, uh, partly because a lot of people want to spin at home in the pandemic, and um, Peloton has um, any number of lawsuits on its hands, some that it has brought, some that have been brought against it. But basically what happened is on, on Monday. Well, well, so so Nordic Tracks owner, a company called Icon Health and Fitness, has sued Peloton in October and um, for patent infringement. And said that there were a number of patents that, that Icon, that is Nordic Tracks owner, held that Peloton had ripped off. And that icon's been in this business, Nordic Track's been in this business for a long time, and one of those patents has to do with automatically adjusting resistance, and one of them has to do with some sort of beautiful mixture of aerobic and anaerobic, a seamless combination of aerobic and anaerobic exercise. So these are patents that Icon holds, and it sued Peloton in October, and then on Monday, the federal judge denied Icon's request that that the judge block uh, bike Plus, which is the new hot Peloton product, from uh, from shipping out. Block, block that bike or actually block it or take away the or, or, or suspend the auto follow. That's the resistance uh, feature. At least suspend that, Icon asked. And the judge said no. The judge said you have not uh, shown uh, a likelihood of success on the merits of your claim or irreparable harm to you from from Peloton's use of these Technology, So the judge, it's not over, but the judge said, I'm, I'm not willing to block bike Plus. So Peloton had a little bit of a victory on Monday.
0: So these two companies, Peloton and Icon, have clashed before.
2: This comes after um, Peloton sued Icon. In other words, the other way around, last May. And um, so in, in May, Peloton... Sued Icon, saying that it copied its interactive fitness programs and, and lied in advertising to undercut uh, to undercut Peloton. You know, basically Peloton saying that ICON's trying to have a free ride off Peloton's technology. ICON's saying we've been around forever, we have you know all of these patents. And, and in, in fact, um, it's interesting, Jim, because because Samson um, Basson, over on Bloomberg Intelligence, uh, technology analyst. Um, wrote just uh, yesterday that Peloton has a bit of an uphill climb, as he puts it, to win these suits. Uh, its IP portfolio is small, he said. And so it's not entirely clear what's going to shake out, but everybody's doing everybody.
0: Is this case then going to be joined with the other case and they're, all, they're both going to go to trial?
2: Unclear whether they'll go to trial. It depends on whether there's a settlement ahead of that. They are two separate suits. Um, uh, very good question. I think right now they remain two separate suits. I guess I, I may have said counter suit only because Peloton suit Icon in May and Icon, icon suit Peloton in October. But if you can stand to hear it, it goes back further than that because earlier on, years before, Icon sued Peloton. It's just been going back and forth. And, and again, it's because of the hot, hot market, not just because of the pandemic. I mean, it's it's a very desirable product, but um, but the pandemic has added to its desirability. In fact, June when uh, when when Peloton went public in the fall, I think it was September of two thousand nineteen. I don't know if you recall, it was a, along with a bunch of other big tech companies. Was it Uber and Lyft back then too? But Peloton had a terrible outing with its IPO in the fall. Um, uh, it it did not get the pop, quite the opposite. And now the stock is booming. So, I mean, it probably got, it it, it may, I should say, have gotten knocked down during the the tech travails of the last few days. But it's been booming. So, you know, it's a very hot business.
0: Well, also, I mean, Peloton settled a patent infringement lawsuit earlier with Flywheel. So it's not just these two bike makers.
2: No, that's right. In fact, uh, in fact, Peloton also sued a company called Echelon and that suit is still going on. And just this week on Monday, Echelon was sued by a company called Ferragon, which is now called sued when it was called Theragon Now it's called Therabody. It's a, it's a massage therapy device company that, uh, that includes uh, among its investors, uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback uh, Aaron Rodgers. But just um, this uh, week, um, on Monday, um, Echelon was sued by the body Company. So it's quite a quite a, a scrum.
0: I also saw that Peloton is being sued for patent infringement by Mad Dog Athletics. That's that's a long running one. I was
2: just going to talk about that. Yeah, Mad Dog Athletics, which owns registration trademark registration to the words "spin" and "spinning" when it comes to exercise um ha, is 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 locked in a battle with peloton as well uh, within the patent and trademark office so um, it's um it's really quite it's really quite interesting I and mean, you know one of the interesting things to you about it is in this litigation it came to, it came to um, uh, it was revealed that I think I think it's average I believe it's average is the measure we're talking about here that the average customer for Icon, again, that's Nordic Tracksmaker, sticks with them for nine years, and the average customer for Peloton, 13 years. So, you know, if, you, if you're an icon and you feel like your patent is getting infringed by this giant Peloton and you lose a customer because of that, you lose that customer for a decade. So that, you know, as they say, the stakes are high.
0: Thanks for being on the Bloomberg Law Show, Peter. That's Peter Jeffrey, Bloomberg News Legal Editor. Monday's ruling doesn't mean the bike will flow freely to the market. Peloton said on February 5th in its quarterly earnings report that although it had significantly increased bike and bike plus production over the last several months, supplies remained constrained with longer than acceptable wait times.